am Paula Bryan Ellis. And I'm Madison Chase. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Living Veganish. <laughs> Doesn't work quite as good, right, with this delay. <laughs> I don't agree, Paula. You know, I wanted to sing the song, We Are Living. Flippy <laughs> Singles, Veganish. Hey, because like we're so good at being in unison on that that it was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's been a while since you've seen us, and we are ready to kick off season two with Living Veganish. Um, so much has been going on um, since you last saw us, and what a better time to re-engage and talk about. Uh, having better eating habits as we continue to deal with this long-term quarantine situation that we find ourselves in. So we're pretty excited to talk to you today about kind of what we've been doing and what we hope to bring you in this season and how we can help you live a healthier life. Right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I'm so excited just because I feel like I've gotten so many questions. People are like, okay, what should I eat? And about your immune system and this diet and does this work? So I feel like now, like whatever I say generally, I've, I've always believed that health is your wealth. Like that is where your gold is. That is where, you know, if you start your journey, then I feel like people will follow. So I think, you know, what Living Veganish is all about is essentially, you know, helping people create healthier lifestyles. So I'm excited that we're back. Yes, yes. And, you know, this, this season's so different, right? Because in the past, we've gone to farms and restaurants and we've, uh, we went to the health fair. We brought you all kind of products. And so, you know, for us, uh, we're going to be figuring out, I think, just like the rest of the world is trying to figure out now, we have a new norm. And how do we, like, we're shooting in two different locations now where we were always together on our trips and the things that we did. So we're trying to figure out this new norm and this new world and what that means and what it even means to go grocery shopping because oh. shopping pre-COVID looks a lot different than COVID because I can't tell you how many times I go in the grocery store and I'm like, where is everything? And they're constantly out. So we want to talk to you about kind of like all of those, those uh, issues. Yeah. And I know for me, like I did a quick little video because one of my favorite places to shop is Trader Joe's because I feel like it combines the best of both worlds, you know, in terms of like pricing, in terms of like finding some of my favorite vegan plant-based options, like I think I just found some jicama, like tortillas. Like they always have these like new interesting products and sometimes they're very plant-based uh, options. So in terms of pricing, like it's kind of like Whole Foods, but not really, but then you get Trader Anybody quite like Whole Paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to pay their Whole Paycheck. So that's why I'm a fan of... Uh, Trader Joe's, but I talked about like the when COVID first started, we had to wear the mask and that six feet. Like California, I feel like was like one of the first places, you know, because we lived in California, uh, that it was like, you know, they had the markers, like had tape, and like it was like a whole experience. And I literally did not like going to the grocery store. I was like, this is a lot. But I can say kudos to all of the Trader Joe's employees. Because when I tell you they were the nicest, kindest, sweetest, like one of the guys I remember particularly because I did a video about it because you know how I videotape everything, Paula. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he literally like was taking because you couldn't take your bags into the store. He literally packed my bags and then literally he was like picking them up because he wanted to make sure they weren't heavy. And I was like, are you checking my bags for me? And I was like, oh, I literally almost made me want to cry. <laughs> Catch this. They won't allow you to bring your bags anymore? No, they are actually giving away, uh, you know, the brown bags now because they didn't want you. This was when it first started. Like, they didn't want you to take your own bags into the store. So they were saying, leave your bags in the car. And all you 
arms. Don't bring your... <laughs> wow. I didn't even catch that because I would tell you, I have such a bad habit of just always buying bags. Give me the bags. Um, that I didn't even realize that they had stopped allowing bags to come in the store. Yep. Yep. Wow. I think the real of realizing that I couldn't bring my own bags and that things were like drastically changing and then the emotion of him like making sure that I was okay it was such a small gesture but such a kind gesture right that he didn't want me like that was something that he thought about and that he considered that I was like can I videotape you he was like no I was like okay I'll just get your shoes he was like okay that's fine <laughs> Oh, it's, that's so interesting. Um, I feel like my shopping experiences, um, the, the store probably that I struggle with the most is definitely Ralph's. I just, I feel like they are just almost, they just are, are almost like they're angry. Like they're mad, like they're mad at work. They're mad you're in there, you know, and I feel like they're just trying to push you through. And I, I know everybody is still confused, right? Because there's, so much confusion um, in the media. We are in a leader. Um, that office is vacant. So if anybody wants to run up to DC and fill in for the president, please do so. Because <laughs> let's be clear, that office is vacant. Nope, don't hit me up with your funny acting comments. <laughs> I don't want to get your emails, your DMs. Don't care what you think. Don't care what you say. That office is vacant. And so we have no leadership. We are in the midst of a crisis. People are losing their jobs. People aren't even sure if they're going to have a job tomorrow. You don't know who has the virus. You don't really truly know how to protect yourself from the virus. Because if remember in the beginning, it was like masks aren't going to work. Don't even bother. Right. And I remember going, well, what could it hurt? And it was like, no, it's a waste of time. Now it's like, oh, it reduces your chances by like 97% now is what they're saying of getting the virus. So there's all this confusing information out there. So when you go to the stores, I went to buy an orchid um, for uh, someone um, a couple of, for their birthday a couple of months ago. And I was maybe four feet away from the lady and, you know, we were still just kind of getting new with it. Right. I had my mask on and I, I wasn't trying to get on top of her. Um, and she turned around and she looked at me and she goes, step back, please. And I was just like, <laughs> I was offended that I got mad. <laughs> I was like, and take your orchid back. I don't want it. I mean, it was like all that emotion just like hit me at one time because of the way she did it. She threw her hand, step back. And I mean, I wasn't in her private space. So I think just us as a country trying to figure out how to maneuver all of this. What do we do? How do we do it? Um, how do we protect ourselves? And, and re-engaging, like people don't know how to re-engage with one another now. I don't know how to have a conversation you when you have a mask on yeah isn't that weird like we don't get to it's almost like it blocks all of your body language or something yeah and i also think too like the thing that i thought was interesting with all this, this social distancing i was like we were already kind of distant before right like if you think about how we interact like i've gone out to dinner and i've seen people like a family they're like i'm like but why are y'all together if you're on your phone? I'm so confused. And if you think about how people actually sometimes babysit their kids, where they're like, here's your laptop, go play this game. You know what I'm saying? So I was hoping that this time would make people value people that are in their lives more in terms of like actually spending time with them the old fashioned way, like having a conversation, you know, instead of, it's just the opposite. It's become the opposite. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who, I mean, she is just really a beautiful person, right? And she said to me how upset she was that she had to wear the mask. Um, and she was only doing it to honor the fact that we've been told we have to wear them. I almost broke my neck swinging around looking at her. I was like, you said you're a believer. Hmm. are you a believer? And that's your attitude. 
Like that's one of the things Jesus talked about all the time is love your neighbor. You mean to be inconvenienced with a mask for a couple of hours while you're out in public bothers you that much that, I mean, this somebody could die. Somebody could infect your kids. You have kids. Somebody could infect your kid. There are kids dying from this thing. They may not be dying at the same rate that senior citizens are, but they are still dying. And I couldn't believe it. I was just so shocked that that was her stance and and then she's like verbally saying it and you know it just I think my husband said something so powerful the other day he said you know this is the this is the year of perfect vision Mm, 2020 is the year of perfect vision and we're start to see people for who they really are Mm. and I think that's what's happening around us And I think also now COVID, now being quarantined, and then now the protest, right? And seeing who's with you and who's not. Yeah, yeah, that's a a whole other conversation. Yeah. I think that brings up so many other things that we probably should have considered a long time ago you know when Trayvon Martin like we probably should have been like this upset you know in the same instance yeah but so I think I can't remember who posted this but it's not that all of these things are new that are happening with um racism Um, it is just that they're all being caught on camera yep how we, all those isolate, all the things that were, that, that people tried to make you believe were isolated instances are now all coming down. Like we're seeing them now, right? You may, it may or may not have made the news in Indiana. It may or may not have made the news in Florida. It may or may not have made the news in Sacramento. It doesn't have to. Guess what? Social media. It's all hidden. It's all hidden Instagram. It's all hidden Facebook. And it's all hitting Twitter. So it's undeniable now. And I think that's the thing that starts to stoke the fire and build the, the, the frustration and, the, and to some degree, right, the rage that we're all starting to see because we're getting bombarded with those, those images, which before we never even seen those images. Yep. And we're seeing them. All the time. time. And I think, too, you have to be careful. Like the media, you know, you said at the very beginning, we were just talking about how you don't know who you could trust in in terms of the source where you're getting your information. So I think the media is the same way. Like there's a it's a polarizing oxymoronic kind of like you don't know what to believe. Like I remember posting a story one time and Somebody was like, oh, that's from 2016. I wonder if this is still happening. It was a barber in in Illinois, and he literally turned his barbershop into a place to help kids read better. And so it was a great initiative. And so I, I Googled, called him, and I was like, hey, I want to do a story. So I turned it into a podcast because I'm like, yep. Not only is he doing it, but I think I really was like, you should do this. Like, this should be a 501c3 because, of -hmm. course, the little boys who were actually getting their hair cut, he would have them read about Barack Obama. He would have them read about, you know, historical Black figures in our history to help them read out loud. But I was like, that's such a great initiative. And I was happy to know, like, had I not done that research, I would have never known. So I think sometimes we stop at the story and say, is this true? Is it not true? And most people aren't like in quickly where not only does me, like me having, being curious about it will actually have me go and do research on it, right? Like I do that with most stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And it's, it's also interesting, right? If it was, happened in 2016 and when did you find out about it uh this was 2019 so three years later so think about that and this was on instagram right if there, not facebook. okay if there was no facebook you would still not even know it yep so it's still two years to get to you yeah 
if there was face, if there was no Facebook, you would still not know it, right? And so that's isn't that like Juneteenth? Yeah, free, right? And it took two and a half years before Texas, I'm sorry, Texas had the information, would allow the slaves, right, to to receive that information that they were free. So now what we see are all those barriers that have been up over the years are, are coming down and we're getting information. Because even now it's so interesting um, when you see something on Twitter and you're trying to verify what if it's real or not, right? Well, you jump on CNN or you, tr- you can't even go to anything in print because it's so delayed. Blogs are delayed. I mean, anything in print is delayed by hours. But you jump on CNN to see if there's going to be a breaking news or new alert to verify. It's, it's all over the world just off of Facebook. We're, you know what I mean? So it's so interesting. And I think that's what's happening for us, right? All of the barriers and the things that prevented us from seeing these things real time have fallen, right? Like the Berlin Wall, all that stuff came down, right? Yep. And now we are seeing things and we can almost instantly respond um, to what is happening. And I think that's the power now of the protest that was not there before because social media is really not that old. So all those previous protests really didn't have the power of social media. I think we're still learning its power and how to use it to our advantage. So, I mean, again, so much has happened since you and I had, I know, I know since we started this journey. And so, um, you know, just thinking about how all that, because we, Started the blog in 2017. Yep. Started Living Veganish in 2017 mm-hmm. because 2016 was the year I was sick. And it was that December that I called you and told you because I didn't tell you. You didn't. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't tell you anything until after all of that stuff had transpired because for me, I've always been the kind of person that um, I protect what people say to me. And I, I, in that moment, I didn't want anybody saying anything to me that was gonna impact the way I saw myself overcoming. Yeah, and healed. And healed. Yeah. So um, in 2016, I just started suffering from unbelievable migraines, right? Just, I mean, and they were, everyone was worse than the last one. It was just unbelievable what I was dealing with. And, and they would start to last longer. So if one lasted one day, then the next one was two days. They were dragging out three or four days. I wasn't getting out of bed. I mean, I just didn't know what was going on. And the doctors were just not... No one was literally helping me. I'd go to the doctor and they couldn't find anything. I was poked and poked and x-rayed and examined. And um, I had all type of, um, uh, what are the big uh, scans? And I mean, just everything, imaging. And I was just exhausted. I was like, I I don't want to go to another doctor. And what happened, the worst, when it got absolutely to its worst was by the summer. I noticed my vision had changed just a little, but I still didn't think anything of it until I went to get my eye exam. And that day, literally, I went to get my eye exam and I had a migraine and I was in so much pain, but something kept telling me, I know it was not the Holy Spirit, go get your eye exam. So I go to the doctor And the doctor now sees the change in my vision. And she knows, she knew I was having um, issues with the migraine. So she told me to wait and come back. She said, I I see something, but I want you to come back. This was like on a Thursday. And she asked me, she's like, how long do your migraines last? And, And she's like, where are you in the cycle of the migraine? Because it would take so many days for me to be able to get out of it. And she said, I want you to come back on Monday. I want to do all your tests over. That was the thing that started. So we did all my tests over and she said, 
And I was just going to get, you know, a checkup for another pair of glasses. And she said, I need to make um, an appointment for a specialist with you right away. Because I had lost a significant amount of my field of vision, was just gone, completely black, couldn't see anything. And um, so now I'm running around, I think I went to like six or seven specialists over a period of about a week and a half. And no one could tell me what was going on. And I, now I'm like, I just don't understand so I finally, the last specialist I get to, he diagnosed me with something called um, I-O-N, I'm sorry, yeah, I-O-N, ischemic optic neuropathy. Mm. And the best way to think about it is it was almost like I was having these little mini strokes in my eyes. Wow. And every time I would have one, I was losing feel the vision. And eventually he said, what will happen is you will go blind. And I asked him, well, what can we do about it? And he said, nothing. There's nothing you can do. And in that moment, I was like, I, I literally put up a wall. Like I went, ah, nope, not, that's not coming in this spirit. Nope, mm -mm, I'm not going blind. I said, mm -mm, I don't believe that's what God had for me. And that is just not even an option. <laughs> and he's looking at me like, um, and he has nothing for me, which is so, like, he's, there's no medicine. There's like nothing, right? And so um, I, I'm struggling with these migraines. I'm trying to figure out what to do. And now we are, by now we're in the fall. And I, a friend of mine said, oh, you should watch these, not knowing what I was dealing with, right? She had no idea, but she said, oh, you've got to watch these, uh, these docu-series on Netflix. And I watched Sick, Fat, and Nearly Dead. And that was the moment I had, aha. And the Holy Spirit told me that I was going to have to take a vegan journey. Like that was the thing that was going to heal me. I saw it. And in that moment, I knew. So I got off. I did just like he did. I got off of everything. I didn't eat anything. And I only ate vegetables for a month. I juiced and only ate fresh vegetables, raw vegetables. And I would do a little cook, uh, like a, like a pot of uh, carrots and celery potatoes or something like that. And I instantly felt better. Instantly felt better. Can you believe that? I can believe it because if you think about what, uh, was it Hippocrates? He said, let your food be your medicine. Let your medicine be your food. Essentially, like the doctor didn't know what to tell you. And I know when I had a loved one that was in a hospital and, you know, one of the things the doctor said, he was like, oh, you know, sometimes medicine is more like an art, which is subjective, instead of a science. And I was like, mm, that don't sound right. You know, so to your point. Coloring your body, is that what it is? Like paint by numbers on my body? Wow. I instantly felt better. And what I then realized, I started introducing things back into my diet. And then I, and it's so amazing when you purge yourself like that and you introduce something back into your body, you instantly go, what is that? Uh -uh, I don't like the way that feels. Wait a minute. I'm not supposed to feel like that. Every time I got to bread, desserts, cakes, um, anything with wheat, pasta, mm. I would get sick again. Migraine, bam. I was like, what is this? Not because I'm a big bread person. So I haven't. This but you stopped doing coffee too, right, Paula? Stop doing the coffee. I got off of everything. I didn't do anything other than. Because you're like a coffee person. You were before. And so. That was when I learned I was allergic to gluten and I was allergic to chocolate. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, my body was rejecting these two things. 
And even today, if I put, if I ate a half a piece of bread, I would be laying out in this floor crying with a migraine. Wow. Yeah, I cannot have, I don't know what it is. Just And so I, on that journey, you know, realizing and learning, but look how I had to do it. I had to help myself. It was like trial by error. I'm running to all of these brilliant specialists and <laughs> they take me over to Cedars. That's where all the stars go. So all the best doctors, and if, if you are, if you can't practice at Cedars, I don't want to see you, right? Because that's where all the best specialists are. And I'm running back and forth and no one can tell me that I have a gluten allergy. It was amazing. And that started me on a journey of changing my life and starting this plant-based and veganish kind of role. And then I called Madison. <laughs> and, and I, I got in the, in the passenger seat. <laughs> all this stuff that's happened. And I was like, okay, Madison, I'm going to become a vegan. Come go with me. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Um, but you know what, Paula, the thing that you shared with me that I thought was so interesting that I think you should reshare with Living Veganish platform is remember when you talked about the the X-ray in terms of like the the black and then the the white and where the white was. I'm like, man. Oh yeah, you saw my you saw my exam. Yeah. That that. That's so powerful. Like I wouldn't even allow myself to look at that for long, but when they do the exam on your eye, you know, if you take, I don't know, something that's a circle, here's a little dot. So if here, if this is, you can't see it very good, but if this circle represented my eye, right? Or represents your eye, anybody's eye, what happens is, you know, uh, when we see vision, it flips upside down. So um, the bottom is the top and the top is really the bottom. So what happens is if you do like this, all of that was gone for me. It was completely black. So what that looks like in real life is if I covered up my um, left eye and I'm only looking at my right eye, which is the eye I had the problem with. Well, actually it was on both, but it was the severest on the right eye. So if I put my hand over my left eye, right, there's a line that starts to happen. There's a demarcation right here. And I can't see below the line. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. So the reason why I can see everything right now is my, my left eye compensates for what my right, my right eye can't see, mm -hmm. right? But if I cover up this eye, the good eye, the left eye, and then I'm only looking through the right eye. There, right now, there's a line that runs just literally right through here. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I couldn't see anything below the line. That is the natural divider on everybody's eyes. Your eyes are your eyes are actually broken up into quads. As I got on, as I stopped eating the gluten and it started on the vegan diet, I started from the bottom getting more vision back. So right now where I where I've have the most severe loss is is literally a line through the middle of my vision. If I do this, there's just a literally a line that covers up. I used to couldn't see below it. Now I can see below it, but there's literally a line for me and there's nothing there. It's I don't even know how to explain it. There's literally nothing there. I can see over it and I can see below it, but through the middle, it's, it's not even, it's like a grayish, mm. um, you know, static on the television. Yeah. Like, do you remember that? Um, or um, have you ever seen what that looks like? It's kind of a gray, white, black, like that's literally like a beam that goes right through the middle and I can't see it. That was, that was what I was dealing with. And so for me, I didn't, I didn't want anybody to tell me any stories about somebody they knew had lost their eyesight or I was like, uh -uh. I believe I'm protecting, didn't want to hear it. So the only people that knew at the time was my husband and my son didn't tell my mother. My mother still doesn't know. My sister, wow. my mom doesn't know. 
um, and uh, a couple of friends. That was literally it. Never shared those stories with anyone. Wow. So I love that for, you know, for Christmas when I uh, came over and I made the raw apple pie, because I think that's when we started the journey. And the other thing that I really loved about your journey was your husband. You were like, I don't want him to have to suffer in not having food that tastes good. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the meals, you have so many amazing uh, plant-based recipes, but 4th of July, since it just passed, <laughs> you made that brisket <laughs> and them baked beans and the potato salad. Like it was, I was like, Paula, whatever you're cooking. You know, we, my husband and I, the thing we love to do when we travel well, we love good food anyway, but traveling, eating was always one of those things. You know, you go to a new country and you're like, oh, we got to try this out, try this out. Mm-hmm. And in mind, I was like, wow, this is, how do I do this? And um, I didn't want him to not eat the things that he wanted. And he said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to be on this journey with you. If you're not going to eat meat and you're going to, you know, um, start moving towards this vegan lifestyle, I'm going to do it with you. And he says, I don't want you in there trying to cook two different meals. He's like, no, what you cook for me, for you is good enough for me. And so just because of that position, right, that he was saying, no, I'm in this with you. I wanted to make sure I could cook things that were good for him, that he loved, that that had flavor, because we still want to eat good things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so Madison and I took a vegan cooking class, like, right away. I was like, Madison, I found this vegan cooking class. Come on. <laughs> And then I realized um, how to then begin to manipulate flavors to get those same flavors that I wanted um, without the meats, without the butter, without the cheese, without the egg, without the flour, because that one's hard, y'all. <laughs> I think the veganist journey, right, can be challenging enough, but vegan gluten-free with no chocolate, <laughs> Because you know how I feel about chocolate, too. Um, and to speak to your point, too, Paula, which which is funny because that just happened to be one of the very first restaurants that I went to before I became vegan. And I remember going when I was still eating meat, and I was like, oh, this food is horrible. Like, why would someone pay this much money for food that it? And I didn't get full, but I remember after going plant-based, vegan, that it tastes, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best food ever. And so my girlfriend, Angel, um, who is now vegan, she's like, Madison, something's wrong with your taste buds. I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong with my taste buds. But I literally can say that my palate actually changed. Changes. is not now. Completely. So... Uh, yeah, that, that was amazing. I think that's what people, most people don't really understand that your palate doesn't taste the real flavors because everything we eat are so, it's been so manipulated and what we want are the real flavors. And then when you get the real flavors, you go, oh, that doesn't taste right. No, actually that's the real flavor. Um, and it's actually really good. You just have to give your palate time to adjust and yeah that that is a big thing because I know there will be things I would give my husband sometimes I'm like oh this is amazing he'd be like "Mm, not my favorite I love it Uh, so speaking of the the things that wasn't your husband's favorite back then right because now he's completely on board with the vegan journey right what were I know we talked about this like what's because living veganish, when we talk about what living veganish is, you yeah. know, in terms of like, there are vegans who go so hard in the paint, like no leather this and no, you're doing honey, like honey's not good for you because you're killing the bees. Like I'm a bee lover, I love it. I love what Morgan Freeman did with all that land in in his hometown where he turned it into like a bee farm, like. I love things like now it has made me more conscious about if I see a bee 
I'm like, oh, save the bee because we need them for our environment. So I'm that vegan, but I also think there are certain things like um, bee pollen, you know, for my allergies. I didn't realize that having local honey because the bees actually pollinate, you know, in this area in Texas. And I'm like, oh, I do need the honey to help me with my allergies. So uh, living veganish is not the hardcore, like, ah! Don't have anything with, you know, because there are certain things that are, are good for us, especially as people of color, that are that we need. And so I think we talked oh, about- Isn't it like, for example, I, um, you know, I have a car with leather seats and I have some leather chairs that I have in my home that I've had, I don't know how long, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go throw them out. I've already paid for them. But I, but I am now cognizant of, okay, I probably wouldn't buy leather chairs again. Maybe I would do something fast. Like, I think that's the thing, the awareness of, you know, I've met people who threw everything out. And I mean, that's kind of what I did when I first started eating. I threw out everything in my refrigerator um, and in my cabinets, but throwing everything out of my house is a whole nother story, right? I'm not going to go get rid of my car. I've already paid for my car. I'm not going to get rid of my car. But I think making making better decisions going forward, right? Um, The value of understanding we are harming ourselves, we're harming our planet. I think those are the type of decisions that we make. And we don't always get it right, right? And I think ish part, you know, we talk about what is our ish. And I think it's so important to let people know ish is okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what the ish means. It's okay. Ish is okay. You know, it's are you thinking, do you have an awareness of what happened? is happening um do you have an awareness of of what you're doing to the planet do you have an awareness of what's happening with your body and how can you move to make better decisions that's what the ish um represents it's not it's not the hardcore um type lifestyle and i think i still struggle with issues you know for my family um we love seafood and i we would do big um, sushi dinners together, um, big seafood dinners together. And I can pretty much say no. But when I see crab legs. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, ooh, crab legs. <laughs> and catfish and crab legs. Like, I. I don't know what it is, y'all, but I, I can say no to the catfish, but the crab, I ain't never turned out no crab legs. I just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, put some, put some fresh lemon on it. And, and I just, <laughs> I love, that's, that's not my ish, Paula. That's your ish. But you know what? To go back, Paula, one of the things that I remember you doing uh, we gonna bring it to the red table, but my table's not red. I'm bringing it to the brown table. I'm, br- I'm bringing it to the brown table. I got a problem with some crab legs, y'all. I love them. My family loves them. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, it is definitely something that I struggle with. And then I feel guilty after I eat it, for sure. <laughs> but I remember when you were cleaning out your cabinet with all of the the non-vegan things and you I remember I was like wow because you were like I don't want to give this poison to anybody you like you literally like threw it in the trash you were like no I don't want to make anybody else sick and I think that oh this is all good I could give it to somebody I could give it and I had the boxes there and I packed up all this stuff and then it was like if it's not good enough for me, I'm, po- I'm, I'm giving you the poison. I'm saying this is poison to my body, but I'm giving it to you to eat, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that you had that like awareness and that's kind of what living veganish is about. It's more of a, like an awareness of, you know, what making healthier choices for yourself and then hopefully inspiring other people to make healthier choices and hopefully eating meat a little bit less than, you know, what you previously have been doing. Cause I think we talked about that. Like if you have 21 meals, you know, three meals a day, seven days a week, that's 21 meals. So maybe instead of having 21 meals with meat, maybe you have 18 or maybe you have, you know, 
13 so that you eventually started to like really you know when I'm working with people and teaching my class I was like try to have something green with everything yeah so whether that's adding greens to your smoothie like a green kind of plant-based you know chlorophyll whatever adding that to your smoothie and then having a salad like literally having a salad with everything and switching up okay I'm gonna do kale I'm gonna do spinach I'm gonna do dandelion greens like really adding that to your, you know, every single meal, uh, a piece of celery, like celery has so many uh, benefits, you know, in terms of your blood pressure and your whole body. So, you know, adding celery to your, or asparagus, like there's so many green plants that you could pick from that, you know. Them and learn to cook them in a way that's more, um, natural and healthier for the food you're eating, right? I grew up with, when my mom got through cooking her vegetables, those things were dead. They were quiet. <laughs> we were like this. <laughs> there was no nutritional value whatsoever. My mom would boil that, cook that, fry that thing. And I mean, when we pick it up, it had a different color, a different texture, a different flavor. <laughs> right? That's a good point. That's true in the Black community. That's like, that's, I mean, and so even for now, like my mom says, I don't cook, like you're, you don't, this isn't done. Like this is still, um, why is this so crunchy? It's probably the way you're supposed to eat it. She's like, no, that's not how I cook it. I go, I know, <laughs> I know, right? But that is a real thing in the Black community. We overcook our food and um, and we kill any nutritional value that's in it. And or we add hot sauce to it to, to make it taste better, i.e. chitlins. I was like, I cannot believe people still eat chitlins. <laughs> like it is mind blowing to me. Like I have a girlfriend now who just moved to to California and she's like people order chitlins from me I was like they order chitlins from you I was like oh but it's funny now that she's moved to California like she's learning this healthier way of eating so I'm like I'm so glad you moved to LA just because if nothing else is going to save your life and then hopefully you won't be distributing your chitterlings to people <laughs> in Texas well yeah. you know but think about that that goes all the way back to slavery right that's where chitterlings came from was it was a slave thing because we we weren't good enough to get the um the uh, leg the ham right and um so we got all all of the leftover body parts we got the ears the snout the feet yep. the cheeks the tail now all considered waste the skin right that's where all of that stuff comes oh, pork rinds pork rinds that's right and so what happened was that they were forced to make a meal um and that was love right that you know for the black community breaking bread because that was all they had was a meal on Sunday. and so all of that was so cooked with love we had no idea what those things were doing to to our body and then you know the way we cook them um, we didn't need to eat it, period, but then you add on top of it the way we cooked, and that really uh, talks about, talks a lot about help, I guess better helps you understand some of those issues, because those meals were made with so much love. Slaves didn't have anything other than something, the little bit that they were given to make a meal out of. And that speaks to the fact that because we don't have history, our history, right, and we don't have a culture, and generally the only thing that we can pass down from generation to generation to generation is, oh, you know how my great, great, great grandmama made that fried chicken she put the da, 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 right, right. Like it was that. So I think that's literally why there's such a, a, a hard breaking of the way your great grandmama, and I've heard people say some of my clients like, well, my grandmama, she did this and she lived to be 107. Well, the chicken that your grandmother was probably eating, she actually probably went to the farm and got the chicken. She didn't go to foster farms or whatever chicken company you decide is best for you. Yeah, that's so. I said it wasn't shot up. What are those hormones? The breast so big, the chicken can't even stand up. It tumbles. Oh yeah, it's a, it's not even eating the same compared to 
what we were eating back then. I know my grandmother used to make these pies. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Oh, I'm scared. Custard pies, buttermilk, <laughs> buttermilk custard pies. Mm. Buttermilk, mm. eggs, and uh, butter. That was the. Mm. And butter too. Mm. Mm. That just sounds like a heart attack waiting to happen. Happen. And she would make those things, and guess what? They were so good. <laughs> no, you know what, Paula? I think to your point, like, there are some staples in our community. Like, you know, growing up in church, where we used to have, like, after church, they would have you get your little Sunday plate, and they would have, like, the 7-Up cake, and then the upside-down cake, and then the, you know, the, of course, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, you notice I'm naming all of the cakes. <laughs> Cheese, potato salad, and greens, and green beans with ham hock, and yeah, all, all, bacon, all, yeah, all of that. That was the church Sunday. My uh, my aunt's church um, up in Ohio, whenever I would go there and visit, they would do these fish fries, and somebody would be in the kitchen at the church with a big old black rod skillet. There would be so much grease, and the grease would just be bubbling. <laughs> We would have these fish fries and then we would take it and load it up with hot sauce on a piece of bread and everybody would be sitting around talking about, mm, girl, this is good. It's so good. Yeah. There's that hot sauce. Um, yes. Yeah, but you know, I think like, you know, if we think about the psychology of like, I think sometimes food is the, the psychological impressions that we've had from like childhood, right? So mm -hmm. I think some of the, the nostalgia in the the reminiscence and holding on to the food that's so unhealthy is we're sometimes remembering those things from our childhood that that's good. makes you still feel good, right? And I can understand why people, you know, it's still like, it, it feels good to your soul, literally, because it is probably from, you know, your childhood and, and maybe those are happier times possibly. So that's a whole other thing, you know, uh, journey. And that's why I think it's so important for us as people of color to really eat healthy. And, you know, I know we've talked about how the holding on to, you know, the, the things that are, are basically ending our lives prematurely. Because I've seen so many people, like a girlfriend of mine, she went to the eye doctor three times because she thought her vision was like literally like changing. And the doctor, it wasn't until her eye doctor said, hey, uh, are you diabetic? Oh, wow. And she was like, no, I'm not. And she got in the car and she Googled what are the symptoms of diabetes. Wow. And when she got home, I think her uncle who is diabetic she said, let me have one of them strips and test my sugar. By the time she tested her sugar, her uncle was like, we need to get in the car and go to the emergency room. Went to the emergency room and the doctor was like, I'm surprised you're not in a diabetic coma. How are you walking around? Her sugar was that high. But the vision and her losing her vision, like literally she was like, Madison, I couldn't see in front of me. And I'm like, oh my God. Uh, um, but again, she is, you know, she's a great cook and she loves to eat. And so, you know, in terms of how she's been eating and mm -hmm. what she's grown up with, that was like the precursor. She's done a complete one, you know, 180 mm -hmm. and she's completely turned it around and her numbers are better, but I'm just like, it shouldn't take you to get to that place where you're like, uh, I'm about to be a diabetic or I'm about to have a heart attack. I'm about to have a stroke that you begin to like really understand why it's so important for you to uh, really incorporate your plants and vegetables and fruits. Well, think about um, you. No one takes you to the grocery store and teaches you how to shop. You just repeat what you've seen. And so, you know, I think of even now, sometimes I have to catch myself because I'll go to the grocery store and pick up something. And then I go, oh no, let me look at this label. Let me make sure, right? Um, and so that 
that is something that we have to do a better job of is teaching people how to shop because most people don't like to sit there and turn over the labels and read and see what's actually in the things that they're eating. And then we have a habit of, you know, there something's already loaded with sodium, then we bring it home and we're adding more to it. Yeah. And so it's, it's all of those things. And those are great topics and things that we will be able to share, you know, on the show and on episodes and be able to bring people, um, you know, hopefully um, nutritionists and um, experts and doctors and, and different um, and, and help try to understand how to build healthier habits, right? And share recipes. Um, and then also challenges, really challenging people to make a commitment to eat healthier. And how do you do it? You just do it one meal at a time. If you try to not everybody can go cold turkey um, and then just stop eating everything, right, for 30 days. That took a lot, but guess what it took? Me losing my eyesight, right? I was going, oh my God, what is happening? Because there's something happening to my body and I've got to figure out what it was. And for some reason, as I'm running around all these um, specialists, I just kept feeling like it was my diet, but I didn't know how to attack it until I saw sick fat nearly dead and saw what he did, which was he stopped eating. He went on a vegetable diet for, he went for 60 days, I believe. And he said, and then he did the same thing. He started trying to figure out how to introduce things back into his daily diet to, so that he could be healthier. And I think those are the type of things that we want to be able to educate um, our viewers on as well. And I think Paula, to your point, uh, Think about if you had been overweight too, right? Think about if you had a high BMI over 25, right? What else could you have potentially been battling other than your eyesight? So luckily your BMI is in a normal range. And I know sometimes as African-American, you're like, oh, you got, you know, you think you just, you just got heavy bones. You have it boned it, you know, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, <laughs> what did you say, Paul? That, that is so true. You nailed that. You heavy boned it. <laughs> Where did that come from? I know it came from the South because, I'm from Texas, so I know all about that. But I think in terms of like really taking, you don't want to get to that place where you're like my friend who literally was losing her eyesight. And then, you know, she, her BMI is, is probably in that, that range where it needs to come, come down for in terms of her health. So I think sometimes often people question BMI is it relevant. And I think it's even more relevant for us in terms of really taking our health into consideration, not only for ourselves, but for our future generations too. And I think oftentimes there, there comes a, a hint of like a little bit of shame that happens, you know, when you do have a uh, obesity related disease, when your BMI is over a certain amount that we don't like to talk about certain things in our community. And that's one of the things that we'd rather kind of like push to the side and pray away when you got to put some feet to your faith. And part of putting feet to your faith is really taking your health into your own hands. And especially now we see how important it is to really take your own health into your own hands and do what you can. And so gardening is one of those things that I think, you know, you can take into consideration because think about like when there was like a food shortage or a toilet paper shortage like if you had your own <laughs> your own stuff where you can literally just go pick your stuff so Paul, i know you've started uh a really amazing garden and uh i'm going to be taking some notes uh in starting my own garden so what was that process like for you paula i meant to have I picked my first tomato yesterday. I meant to have it. I wanted to have it with me. Dog it. I picked my first baby yesterday. I was just like, it's turning red. So I was so excited. You should have seen me. I ran in the house. I was like, babe. <laughs> you were so 
was almost like you had another grandbaby. It was literally <laughs> like you had. Yeah, started right. <laughs> I was like, you need to name that first tomato. You need to give the, that tomato a name. Like sitting in the window and we're watching it and inspecting it. And did you see it this morning? Like, oh my God, it's so, it's crazy. But yes, I'm very excited. To, this is the first time I've done a garden. Um, and I started out really slow with just tomatoes, um, squash and onions and mint. And everything's doing great except for the onions only because I, I, um, I planted them in the middle of two squash plants and I thought there was enough distance. Well, these squash plants look like trees. <laughs> they look like little bushes right now. And their leaves are so big, it's covering my onions and they can't get um, enough sun. So they're growing really slow. But other than that, we have squash out there already um, waiting to be harvested. So we're just waiting on the right time. So I'm very excited. So yes, we'll get to talk and share about that. And then um, also follow you as you go on your new journey of starting a garden. We'll also be able to bring to uh, viewers um, vegan news. I know we had some stuff we thought we'd share today, but I'm looking at the time and we're already over our time. <laughs> you know, we'll be able to talk about what's the latest in vegan news, whether it's products or, you know, we saw the announcement today with Colin Kaepernick and signing a deal with Impossible Foods to help with his camps. Um, so we'll be able to uh, do that and help our viewers as much as we can and understand also, veganism, uh, this whole vegan journey is a major multi-billion dollar industry. There's so much that, um, so much information and knowledge um, to be able to share with you, whether it's the types of meats, um, plant-based foods, um, the vitamins, all of that. And it just, it doesn't encompass just food. You've got to We've got to exercise more. We have to get out and walk. We've got to keep our hearts vibrant. Um, the products for our hair, our makeup, all the chemicals in our, you know, um, nails, um, you know, when you're getting your nails done, there's so much that we don't really think about that is all going into this one body. And it's like one body is going, I can't filter all of it. You've got to do something to help. Yeah. Yeah. And I even discovered too, like as much as we're on our computers, like I just got these glasses and it's pretty dirty, but they're blue light filters. So mm. we don't realize the things that if you're spending so much time on your computer, if you're looking at your cell phone, and then if you have Bluetooth in your car, you know what I'm saying? So we're constantly being bombarded with these things that are, you know, you have to like literally protect yourself from everything that you put on your body, from the things that you drink to the things that you put on your hair. Like, I didn't realize that. Like, and even sometimes just because it's vegan, right? Like I had my mom try this makeup. I'm not gonna say the name of it. I'll say it, it's the body shop makeup and it's plant-based vegan. And uh, I think Tabitha Brown is actually who turned me on to it. And so I was telling my mom about it. I was like, oh, and I got her some, and I got me some. And then she was like, I don't like it. And I was like, what, mama? She was like, yeah, it got on something in her car, the plastic in her car. And she was like, I can't get it out. She was like, it's black and it's very like porous. And I was like, that can't be good. If it can't get off plastic, right. what is it doing to my face? And even though it's vegan, I'm just like, mm. So sometimes you have to try things out for yourself and then do a litmus test like mm, this was probably not even though it says vegan and I think we can really talk about that too like I feel like there are three different kinds of vegans and like where are you and so sometimes it's not always about like are you trying more plant-based uh items you know plant nut-based like literally that's how I think I started as a vegan and now I'm like, I want to be plant nut based because I feel like that is ultimately where you should be trying to have more fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. in your diet. And I just started this 30 day challenge with the people that are taking my class. And I was like, let us really try to focus on anti-inflammatory foods. Mm -hmm. Here's a list. If you want to do some meat, 
here are the best meat options, you know, fish that has the least amount of mercury. My friend was like, sardines. I'm like, yes, because if you think about it, I think sardines swim either in the shallower end of the water, so they don't have as much mercury in them. Oh, if you have to do, yeah, if you have to do fish, and then salmon is next, uh, and then after that, you know, if you want to do. Madison, where are crabs? <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to touch that policy. <laughs> You're like, they're just good. That's where they are. They're in my belly when I get them. Dirty, I don't know. <laughs> That's your ish, Paula. That's the ish that you, that you struggle with. My ish is chocolate. That's why I sent you that recipe with, um, mm -hmm. it seems that you can turn into brownies. And instead, you could either add carob or chocolate chips, but I'm trying to not do chocolate. Um, but yeah, that's my ish. I struggle with the chocolate. Sure, took care of the chocolate thing. So I can't have chocolate. So that you can have carob, though, right? You said carob chips. That's a good substitution. It's not chocolate. It's good, but it is clearly not chocolate. So let me, don't, don't confuse people. It's not. <laughs> Should we wear a mask? No, we shouldn't wear a mask. Yes, we should. It is not chocolate at all. So it's a substitute and, um, and it's good. I've, I've used it in brownies and cookies, um, but it's clearly not chocolate. And, you know, I, I miss chocolate because chocolate is in 99.9% .9 of all vegan desserts, right? Um, so, you know, I've had, that's what sent me down this path of, okay, I know how to cook and get the flavors. Now I'm going to have to solve this issue for me on sweets and desserts because I enjoy sweets. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, there's so much. I'm really excited. I'm glad we're back um, and we'll be able to share lots of amazing things from sometimes we'll be in the kitchen sharing recipes with you. Um, maybe we'll do some recipe challenges and you can send in your favorite recipes and we'll make them. So that can also be something that we do. So we're just really excited to go on this. And I think it's also important, you know, when Madison and I were talking about being able to come back, um, how do we help you move towards the healthier eating, a plant-based life in the midst of people are um, dealing with loss of income, loss of job. And sometimes those pre-made things are so much easier to grab shelf, right? And actually that's the last thing you need to be grabbing right now. Um, how do you shop and make your budget stretch um, during, um, during those tighter times? But, you know, it's definitely worth it and it takes a little time. You have to, you have to work towards a healthy habit. Yes. Yeah. And it's some it's something you gotta be curious about for yourself. Like there's a young lady that's been taking my class and she lost 70 pounds. And literally it has been a three-year journey for her in terms of like really kind of understanding what works for her. Like she discovered, like she was like, I have visceral fat. Like you have to be curious about your body to understand. What kind of fat do I have on my body and how am I getting rid of it? Like, I was like, but that's how you start to take the journey is you have to be curious about yourself and what works for you. Cause not everything that works for me is going to work for, you know, her. And so she's taught me some things too. That's why I literally say you have to be a do it yourself health expert. You have to do it yourself because even if I work out with you for two hours, you know, Literally, I can't be with you for the other 22, you know, in terms of your food. Like, you literally have to get that by yourself and for yourself. And I could give you all the meal plans in the world uh, and how to fuel your body. But if you aren't resting and if you aren't fueling your body with the things that are naturally alkaline for your body, and if you're not dealing with stress, the cortisol that happens to your body and the things that happen to your body, like, it's not going to lend itself to like where you actually start to see changes and to actually see and then feel the changes. Like that's important too. Yeah. Well, Matt, our time is up. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media. 
You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Madison Chase Fitness. My official Madison Chase Fitness page is Facebook because I think I'm up to the limit in terms of friends. <laughs> I can't have any more friends on Facebook, uh, but thank you for the request. And I think I'm on Twitter and Twitter at Madison Chase Fit and then Instagram. And I have a new Patreon page. It's Patreon backslash MOC Life. That stands for Millions of Champions Life. What is Patreon? Patreon is kind of like, uh, I think Issa Rae, when she started Insecure, I mean, Awkward Black Girl, like that's where she got her supporters to actually continue to shoot uh, you know, seasons two, three, or four of Aqua Black Girls. So it's basically creators. You have fitness people on there, and basically, so it's MOC Life. So Patreon, but yeah, if that's I'm on Patreon too. But that's kind of what it is, Paula. Awesome. Okay, I wasn't familiar with that. I'm Paula Bryant Ellis, and you can find me on all the social media. Uh, sorry, on all the social media platforms. I was gonna say on all the social media handles. On all the social media platforms, Paula Bryan Ellis. All right. Hi.